Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode 104. Thank you for joining me today. We have a great show for you. Today I'm talking with my friend and colleague, Sue Klasik. She's joining me to talk about some Amy updates. You know, there's a lot going on in the Amy community, so stay tuned and make sure you are up to date with Amy so you can prepare for any changes that are coming your way. This podcast would not be here without you, the listener. So thank you for supporting HSPA education. Now, I would like to give a shout out to one listener in particular. I had the pleasure of speaking with Rachel recently. Rachel, thank you for all that you do for sterile processing and listening to the show. I hope to see you at the upcoming HSPA conference. Thanks again, Rachel. Now, speaking of the conference, it's not too late to register for the 2024 HSPA conference. Now, this is the educational event of the year, and to top it off, it's in Las Vegas. The HSPA conference will deliver endless opportunities to expand your knowledge, share your ideas, connect with experts, and discover the best practices to help boost quality in your sterile processing department. Now, the HSPA conference all takes place April 20th through the 23rd of 2024. All you need to do is visit the myhspa.org website. That's myhspa.org backslash 2024 conference and go ahead and register. So the website has all the information you're going to need from hotel information, the conference schedule. If you need a justification letter for your employer, we got that, right? It's all in there. There's also a flyer that you can hand to your employer telling them about the conference. There's also some frequently asked questions. So go ahead and check out that information. Go ahead and register. You know, if there's one thing that Vegas does have, it's plenty of flights, but now's the time to get those cheaper rates. You know, the closer you get to April, the more expensive those flights are going to get. Check out the HSPA homepage. Click on the annual conference button there on that homepage and start your journey. And hopefully I will meet you there because I'd love to meet you at the conference. Come and see me in Las Vegas. Now, some other news, some other happenings from HSPA. All the HSPA certifications are now accredited by ANSI and NCCA. So for nearly a decade, the HSPA CRCST certification has been accredited by both ANSI, the National Accreditation Board, ANAB, and the National Commission for Certifying Agencies, NCCA. Now we are pleased to announce that all four of the certifications 
the CRCST, the CIS, the CHL, and the CER are now accredited by the two agencies. ANSI, A-N-S-I-N, the NCCA accreditation provides that third-party confirmation that the certification programs meet the highest quality standards in the industry. Attaining certification is a complex, challenging, and rewarding pursuit, and we are thrilled to offer the high-quality certifications to our members, certification holders, and sterile processing professionals worldwide. So that is awesome. And then next, for those of you thinking about taking the CRCST, there is a 2024 CRCST pilot exam. So as part of our ongoing test development process, an update to the CRCST exam will launch this summer. The current version of the exam is based on the 2017 CRCST exam content outline. It uses HSPA's Central Service Technical Manual in the 8th edition. It also uses the ANSI AMI ST79, which is the 2010 edition, and the AORN's Perioperative Standards Recommendation Practices from 2017. All these are references, right? And it will be available, the current test will be available until May 16th of 2024. The applications must be received by HSPA by April 12th of 2024 for testing to the current examination. Now, a discounted pilot test for the updated exam will be offered from June 1st to the 15th, 2024. And then following the June pilot, the CRCST testing will not be available from June 16th to September 9th. Okay, so if you're interested in taking the one, the current CRCST exam, you need to get those applications in by April 12th, okay? And then if you're interested in the pilot exam, which again, it offers a discounted price, so there, that, you know, that's pretty attractive there, you know, that exam will be offered from June 1st to the 15th, and then there's going to be a gap, right? So there will be no testing will be available from June 16th to September 9th. So after September 9th, regular ongoing testing will resume and that will resume on September 10th. Applications for the discounted CRCST pilot exam in June will be available beginning February 1st. So it's available right now. For more information regarding the updated exam and its new content outline and references, all that can be found at myhspa.org backslash certifications. So if you're interested in testing for the CRCST certification, okay, remember, if you want the current exam, then you need to have your applications in by April 12th. If you're interested in the pilot, the June 1st through 15th, then start getting those applications in right now. Okay, so remember, after June 16th, there's not going to be any testing until September 10th. All right, next, next in HSPA news, you know, HSPA has partnered with Survey and Ballot Systems, SBS, to administer the 2024 election. So if you are an active or associate member in good standing, then you're going to receive an email 
with voting access instructions from HSPA Education Coordinator on Tuesday, March 5th, 2024. Now, if you are an active or associate member and do not receive this email by March 6th, then please contact, listen up, contact support at directvote.net. That's support at D-I-R-E-C-T-V-O-T-E dot net. Okay? Because the 2024 HSPA Board of Directors election is here. So voting for this starts on March 5th, and it's going to go through March 26th. Just to give you a quick overview, in the 2024 election, HSPA will be looking to fill the following leadership positions. First is the president-elect. So the president-elect is going to serve a consecutive one-year terms as president-elect, then president and then past president. So president-elect will be from years 24 to 25, then they will serve as president from 25 to 26, and then past president from 26 to 27. Now there's also an opening for the secretary or treasurer, and this position serves a two-year term. And then we have three directors that will also serve two-year terms. So three director positions available. So let's take some time and review some of the candidates. So for president-elect, we have Arlene Bush, who is a supervisor of sterile processing services at Lee County Veterans Clinic. We also have Brenda Jan Prudent, who's a sterile processing manager at Eastern Idaho Regional Medical Center. So those are your two president-elect candidates, Arlene Bush and Brenda Jan Prudent. And then next for secretary or treasurer, our candidates are Ann Kobayashi, who is sterile processing manager, CHI St. Joseph Health, and Brandon Gant, manager, sterile processing education and training at Emory Healthcare. So those are your two candidates for secretary and treasurer. And then for your three director positions, we have six candidates. We have Angela Warner, who is Procedural Co-Chair, Cleaning, Disinfection, Sterilization, CDS Systems Committee at UC Health, Longs Peak Hospital, Longs Peak Surgery Center, and Broomfield Hospital. We have Josa Avila, Regional Director, Sterile Processing, Memorial Herman Health System. We have Nicholas Day, Manager, Central Sterile Processing, High-Level Disinfection, Equipment Management, University Hospital, Elira and St. John's Medical Center. Then we have Stacy MacArthur, Manager of Sterile Processing, Providence Portland Medical Center. We have Timothy Hurtado, Director of Sterile Processing, OR Materials, UT Southwestern. And last but certainly not least, Victoria Tori Ruiz, Area Director of Sterile Processing, Sutter Health, Greater Silicon Valley. So I wish all of our candidates good luck on the upcoming election. So you can find each candidate's bio. Now this is important. Each of the candidates has their bio on the HSPA website, along with a question and answer video for each of the candidates. So you can get to know them. Now remember, you need to be an active or associate member in good standing to vote. If you're not a member yet, Go sign up and cast your vote. 
Again, voting is from March 5th through March 26th. All right, so there you go. You are up to date with the HSPA news. Now let's take some time and get into what's on my mind. What's on my mind? All right, today on What's on My Mind, I am going to talk about ECRI. Now, I'm talking about ECRI because they come out with a top 10 list that you need to know or you might be interested in. So what is ECRI, first of all? So ECRI is a global independent authority on healthcare technology and safety. Their products and services help the healthcare community to improve quality, reduce cost, achieve better outcomes across all care settings. They accomplish this through a unique set of capabilities. They have a staff of medical and scientific experts who analyze patient safety data. You know, they have one of the, the nation's largest data set of adverse events, constructing proactive ways to deliver better, safer patient care. They have a medical device evaluation lab. They say it's the only one of its kind in the world. These independent technology evaluations combined with one of the largest supply and equipment pricing databases, recalls, safety alerts, and extensive clinical evidence allow healthcare leaders to make confident data-driven decisions every day. ECRI, what they do is they every year they come out with essentially two top 10 list, right? So the first is a top 10 patient safety concerns. And the second is the top 10 health technology hazards. Now, why is this important to sterile processing? And I guess the simplest answer is that it's because for the last 10 years or so, sterile processing has made one of these lists. Uh, because of that, you know, I also think it's important that we use the results that we find on these lists to make changes in our practice. So uh, let's start out by looking at some of the past safety concerns, and it'll give you kind of a good idea of what I'm talking about. So let's start with the patient safety concerns. So kind of the top 10 patient safety concerns. Now I'm only going to list the concern that applies to sterile processing. I'm not gonna list all 10 every year, but if we go back to 2015, number four on the list was inadequate reprocessing of endoscopes and surgical instruments, right? So not a real big surprise since in 2015 is when, you know, essentially we started having issues or reported issues of endoscopes. So kind of the first time we're seeing it on the list. And then, Again, this is the health hazards. So in 2016, number one, inadequate cleaning of flexible endoscopes before disinfection can spread deadly pathogens. 2017, number two, inadequate cleaning of complex reusable instruments can lead to infections. 2018, number two on the list was endoscope reprocessing failures continue to expose patients to infection risk. Then in 2019, number five, mishandling flexible endoscopes after disconfection can lead to patient infections. So it's important even after endoscopes are 
high-level disinfectant, the way we handle them is important. Then in 2020, number three, risk from sterile processing errors in medical and dental offices. Right, so from 15 to 20, we made that list consistently every year. And then, and then in 21, we kind of have the same from 2020, where we have infection risk from sterile processing errors, medical and dental devices. And then what's surprising, uh, which is great, this is a great thing, in 2022 and 2023, we didn't really make the list. So good job. It looks like y'all are paying attention or at least we're doing something right in sterile processing. Now, the list for 2024, as far as the health hazards, has not come out. Those patient safety hazards has not come out yet. But let's look at the second list, which is the health technology hazards. So I only on this one, I only went back to 2021 because it looks like we had enough information from the patient safety hazard from 2015. So in 2021, we had improvised use of medical devices. You know, and that can, I think that can be contributed mainly, I, I didn't research this fully, but you know, as we used the PPE, as we used mask during the COVID times, I think this kind of falls into that uh, criteria of, impro- of improvised use of medical devices. And then in 2022, Poor dewodnoscope reprocessing ergonomics and workflows put healthcare workers and patients at risk. And then 2023, hey, we, we looks like we did something again for that year because we did not make the list. That all brings me to this year because the top 10 tech hazards, tech health hazards for 2024 is out. And on this list, on number two, is insufficient cleaning instructions for medical devices. Now, I know a lot of us out there for many years have struggled with not having the correct IFUs, IFUs that are confusing, sometimes didn't even have the IFU, right? So uh, along with each of these uh, hazards, what ECRI does is they they put out a little sheet kind of explaining what they mean. And so I didn't dive deeper into the other ones, but I want to dive into this one since it's a new one for 2024. And again, it is the inadequate or erroneous device cleaning instructions. And so it reads, failure to properly clean and disinfect or sterilize reusable medical devices between use can lead to the spread of infection, damaged devices, and other forms of harm. Successful reprocessing is made more challenging, however, by the wide variations in content, quality, feasibility of reprocessing instructions provided by the vendors. ECRI is aware of numerous reusable medical devices and healthcare items that we have incomplete, impractical, or erroneous reprocessing instructions. As a result, healthcare workers who perform reprocessing may find it difficult, even impossible, to complete tasks effectively, or they may suffer harm in processing, meaning there may be pain or fatigue from repeating performing erroneous reprocessing procedures. The best time for healthcare organizations to address this issue is before purchasing any reusable medical devices or healthcare items. That is, reprocessing considerations should be evaluated during the pre-purchase risk assessment of a product. 
questions to consider include, will the vendor provide validated reprocessing instructions for the product? Validated reprocessing instructions have been shown to be effective and ensure safe reuse of a product over its life. And are the reprocessing steps practical to complete in your environment? If the answer to either of these questions is no, then ECRI recommends considering alternative vendors or products. Now they have a little text box here that says challenge to industry. ECRI challenges manufacturers of reusable medical devices and healthcare items to provide practical, validated reprocessing instructions for their products. These instructions should adhere to relevant FDA guidance and should involve the use of common healthcare cleaning products. And they have a quote here that says, healthcare workers who perform reprocessing may find it difficult or impossible to complete this task effectively, or they may suffer harm in the process. So really good information from ECRI. You know, essentially, you know, we need reprocessing manufacturers to have validated instructions that are repeatable, you know, that we can do in our department, right? It does no good if they have instructions that we can't complete. So some really good information. So there you go, 2024 insufficient cleaning instructions for medical devices. Number two on the ECRI top 10 2024 tech hazards. Something for you guys to think about. And with that, that's gonna do it for this segment of what's on my mind. Well, Sue, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. John, it's great being here today, as always. It's a, it's always an honor and a privilege. So can you give us a quick update on Amy? Is there anything new any work in progress we should know about? John, there has been so much. It's almost like an avalanche. But I can go through these. Um, I'm sure by now everybody is aware that Amy has published new water quality standard. It was previously TIR 34, and it has now been elevated to a standard, which is ST 108, the water for the processing of medical devices. The Committee for Chemical Sterilization and High-Level Disinfection in Healthcare Facilities has been working very hard on updating that standard. And I think we're very close and I'm hoping it will come out soon. And what we have done in that standard is we've actually combined um, the ethylene oxide into that standard now. So all the chemicals are together. The previous EO standard will be sunsetted. And it's interesting to note that in that standard, we're going to talk about three categories of chemical sterilants. Liquid chemical sterilants and high-level disinfectants, gaseous chemical sterilants, and also gel and foam. So, you know, stay tuned. We're hoping that will come out very, very soon. We're also working on uh, TIR-99 for the processing of dilators, TEE probes, and ultrasound probes used in healthcare facilities. That is, as I said, a TIR. I think we're pretty close to completing that. 
Another item we're working on is called ST113, and that is a comprehensive guide for steam sterilization and sterility assurance for dental facilities. And we're working on that in conjunction with the American Dental Association. Near and dear to my heart is in working group 40, and this is TIR 109. This is for the external transport of medical devices processed by healthcare facilities. We're currently working on our sixth draft of that document. I'm hoping that will be our final draft and that we will be able to release that soon. No promises. It has to go through, you know, the committee review and the votes. But I truly hope that soon the new TIR on uh, external transport will be uh, released. Some other documents we're working on. Um, ST90, and that is for the processing of healthcare products, the quality management systems for processing. Um, that is a standard that has been out, and we are opening that up and reviewing that and commenting. The same holds true for ST77, which is for the containment devices for reusable medical device sterilization. So we're working on those. Those both have just been opened. Um, one word about um, ST108, in case uh, people haven't had a chance to take a look at that or haven't heard yet. Some of the highlights of ST108 is that this new standard categorizes water types. And as you may be aware, the three categories are utility water, critical water, and steam. It also identifies rules and responsibility, which includes sterile processing, facilities engineering, infection prevention. It also establishes categories and performance qualification levels of water quality for medical device processing. So as you'll see in there, there are tables that provide exactly how our water should be. It establishes testing frequency and testing locations. So we also have some new work projects that have just been uh, approved. And the first one is the guidance for processing tattoo machines and accessories in healthcare settings. It's interesting to note that there are uh, areas in healthcare facilities that use tattoo machines, primarily in radiology. And so there are some aspects of that that need some guidance. And so this new TIR will provide that guidance. Also, we've seen a lot recently on UV disinfection. And so there is a new TIR, this is TIR 118 under development, for the guidance of ultraviolet disinfection for medical devices in healthcare facilities. And lastly, we're working on a new TIR, TIR 119, for the guidance of healthcare implementation and use of ST108, water for the processing of medical devices. As we know, water, as simple as it sounds, is an extremely complex topic. And so this new TIR will provide guidance for healthcare facilities on how to implement this new water quality standard. Well, that's great. There's a lot of work being done on the Amy side. That's awesome. Quite a bit. It's all exciting and good stuff. We're going to really improve healthcare facility processing. Hey, let's pause our conversation for just a second. Are you looking to get a CE for this episode? Well, you are in the right place. 
To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, log on to the MyHSPA website, and make sure you use the code NCCA. Again, the code for this episode and this episode only is NCCA. Now, let's get back to our conversation. So one of the most important AMI standards in sterile processing is the ST79 steam sterilization standard. This was last updated in 2017, and then we had those amendments in 2020. When do you think the working group will start updating this standard? And is there a time frame that you know of? Yes. So the committee met and we discussed uh, the revision of ST79. Currently, the committee is working on the TIR for external transport of medical uh, devices. Once that is completed, the committee will then take up opening and revising ST79. The committee just felt we didn't have the bandwidth to do two major documents at one time. So once we finish um, TIR 109 on external transport, we will then move into ST79. Oh, that's great. So there's always a need, like you were just talking about, you know, there's a you know, when you need more people to do more projects, there's always a need for users to be involved with AMI standards and working groups. Now, the users are folks like you and me, those who represent or are in sterile processing. But how can our listeners be involved in the AMI standards process? Members can be involved by logging into AMI, and there is a, um, a tab on the AMI website on how to join as a member, either as an individual or even as a corporate or as a facility. And it's interesting to note that most facilities are already members of AMI through Biomed. So if you're working at a healthcare facility, contact your Biomed department and ask them if the facility is a member. And you may be able to join through their membership, through the membership of the healthcare facility. But you're right, John, we do need more members. More voices are much better. Absolutely. So, Sue, you are part of a group that is trying to define this term, grow soil. Can you tell our listeners what sparked the need to define this term? Yes, uh, John, this is sort of like the perfect storm. Um, in healthcare facilities, a lot of facilities have been sur- that have undergone surveys have been dinged for not removing grow soil at the point of use. And so the, de- the definition is, you know, what is gross soil? Um, because it varies from one person to another. It's really a very subjective term. And so we, we need to define exactly what it is so we're both on the same song page. At the same time, the FDA is concerned about the term of gross soil because it's included in instructions for use. So once again, you know, what is gross soil? And when we look at our standards, we talk about gross soil quite a bit. We need to remove gross soil at the point of use. We also need to make sure gross soil is removed in the cleaning process in the decontamination room. So a committee got together, which consists of users, manufacturers, um, and the FDA to look at uh, what is gross soil. And also included in that is um, one of the surveying organizations. So we took a look at, you know, how do we define gross soil? Um, The paper is still in its draft form. (laughs) It hasn't gone all the way through yet. So stay tuned and we can give you an update down the road. 
Great. Well, Sue, thank you for giving us a quick Amy update on all the work that uh, you do uh, in the Amy standards. And uh, we just thank you uh, for uh, sharing that with us on the show today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Always glad to help, John, Uh, especially to get the word out about the Amy standards. It's such an important part of our work. Well, that music means only one thing, and I'm sorry to say that we are out of time for today. Thank you, Sue, for keeping us up to date on all things Amy. Now, don't forget, go out and vote. If you're not an active member, if you're not an associate member in good standing, go correct that. Go make it happen. Don't forget to vote March 5th through the 26th. And hey, don't forget to register for the conference in Las Vegas. You're not going to want to miss Las Vegas this year. It's going to be great. HSPA episode 104 is now in the books. We're done for today. Thanks for sticking with me. Hey, each episode we do here is on demand. So when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy and we'll see you next time.